Welcome back for part two of our season recap episode. In this installment, you'll hear us talk about the major themes of the 2019 Maryland soccer year. And after that, we'll give out our season superlatives to finish part two. We had a lot of fun on this one. Enjoy. The shot, a great save by Dane St. Clair. Shot by Matt DeRosa, and it's in! Matt DeRosa puts the Terps up 1-0. Zayden coming forward now, he had two last week. He winds up the left-footed shot, and it sneaks into the bottom corner. Bin outside the box, the shot with the right foot, and it's in! Paul Bin wins it for the Terps! Now Zayden plays inside the 18, the shot, and a goal for the Terps! Leaves it for Herbe, cutting it back to the middle, and it's in! Paul Bin gets the goal for Maryland. Elney has the room, he shoots it in. Maryland has a 1-0 lead on the goal from the senior, Sebastian Elney. Eli Cronali, the deep free kick, sent into the box now. Hervé there, the back post, and it's through the legs and in. Donovan Vines is claiming it as the 6-5 man does a cartwheel on the far side, doubling Maryland's lead. And that'll do it. Maryland's California dream have become a reality. For the first time in a decade, the Terps are national champions. Ladies and gentlemen, get on your feet and welcome your Ludwig Lowdown, featuring Brendan Hartlove and Joe Malfa. So we'll now get into our season recap. We covered some of the themes kind of as we were wrapping up Wake Forest just because so many of these are intertwined with uh, the end of the season and that game. Thank you. Um, I've spent like the last two weeks writing nothing but papers. So I was going to say, have you, um, have you read the dictionary? <laughs> and a gamer. <laughs> and a gamer. Thank you, oh Joe. My God, Thank you, don't. Joe. So th- the first thing we want to talk about this year is the injuries. And I know we've talked about, if you're listening to this podcast, you've heard us talk about that countless times. Now, the first thing I want to say on that is that this team and Sasho, and he might have said this when I talked to him, I assume he did, is that they did not use the injuries as an excuse at all. Never once was that even a question. And it's not. But the thing is, it does factor into how this season went. And I remember, I think it was before the Iona game or maybe the Indiana game, one of the last games of the season. And, no, it was at practice. It was I was at practice one day, and he just walked over to me before the team got there, and we chatted for a little bit. And we talked about how this team, had they been fully healthy, I, I, nobody will disagree with me that they would have been much higher and doing much better oh, than course. they were. But yeah. we talked several times about not having the legs, not turning up on the day, especially in that Wake Forest game. And yeah. now not only having those injuries, do you not have the quality of those missing players out on the field. You've now relied on your depth pieces a little bit more, and your bench is shorter. Your roster is shorter. They're getting put through more paces, covering more ground through games. So their fitness is tested week in, week out, more so than it would be if you had a full roster at your disposal. They're getting used a lot more. And so that's, I think, when at the end of the year you kind of see them dragging a little bit, certain players more than others, and that's kind of when that comes into play. But the injuries, just to rattle them off before I open it up to you guys because this is not really for me to talk about. Paul Ben was the first to go down. A heartbreaker. For everybody. And not just because of his play on the field, but because of how great of a guy he is. And I know, I think I talked about that on the last one. I did a video story on him that came out on Twitter a few weeks ago. Plug, plug. So, plug, plug. <laughs> so if you haven't seen that, go check it out. I was actually very pleased with how that turned out. It's very nice. Oh, thank you. So Paul went down first. And then uh, I want to say the next one was the first game of the season against South Florida when William James Survey 
went down in Pulled the 12th the minute. Honey yes. industry. Industry. Um, Injury. Good night. Industry. It's the end of the semester. Good night. Um, Good night. And so that's now two wingers down. Your two starting wingers down. Yes. And then after that, there was kind of a, a weird mix of guys picking up knocks and missing games. Malcolm Johnston. Um, yeah, Malcolm picked up a little something at some point, but was for the majority of the season fine. But the next big one was Brian Padilla, and that was really a big loss because he actually got to play some this season. And he was starting to come around. He was. In replacing yes. Ben and Hervé Because the question, playmaker the question going into the season was, where does Padilla fit into this? Because we had seen the quality in brief moments last season. He only played, I think, six games. Missed a lot of last year. This yeah. is talking 2018, that is with an undiagnosed injury coming in from his club, FC Dallas. You've heard the whole spiel before. And so he was not really available until the end of the season. They were really trying to get him back up to speak, get his confidence back up too. Then I did the spring game against Bethlehem Steel. and that Not kid Bethlehem Steel anymore. They changed their name today. They're now Philadelphia what? Union too. Yep. That's the dumbest thing ever. Yep. Hey, look. That's it branding. Is. That is genius branding. No, that's, that's no, because Bethlehem Steel is one of the. You took his. You just finished taking history of soccer. Yeah, I got a final Steel. for that that I got to do at some point in the next couple of days. There you go, Atta boy. But Bethlehem Steel is one of the most historic clubs yeah, I know. It was in American it. soccer, and so I loved having that. So when was that found? Nineteen seventy-two, nineteen seventy-three. Call myself. <laughs> um, no, and but it has a great history, great logo, great badge, great. I liked it. I was a fan of it. I remember Philadelphia Union had those throwback, those alternate kits, mm -hmm. that the black ones that had the Bethlehem Steel kind of emblem on the back. I was a big fan. That's sad. I did not hear about that. Yep. Now, a couple now, hours ago, Bethlehem Steel rebranding as Philadelphia Union, too. That's a step back, in my opinion. Not yeah. important. Ben so, Curtis would like a word about you slandering the Philadelphia Union. I know, I'm not slandering the Philadelphia. <laughs> I mean, it's you're slandering the Philadelphia Union name. I'm slandering Philadelphia Union too. Who That's cares? True. So hey. anyway, Bethlehem Steel at the time, the the team formerly known as Bethlehem <laughs> Steel. It was a spring game, and it was something I just wanted to do kind of for fun. And I James Mahoney called that game with me, and Brian Pitti was class. First of all. Incredible free kick that Nuts. was a sign of things to come in yes. that game. He, But he was all over the place. He was fantastic, and I was really excited to see him play. And we saw that in the beginning of the season as yeah. well, those moments of absolute brilliance that he had. He's going to be fun to watch the next couple yeah. of years. I'm concerned a little bit with Padilla, maybe only if his confidence doesn't come back because he had the misdiagnosed injury. Yeah, That cost him. He has this injury now. That happened in warm-ups to a game that had yeah. – uh, Taylor Smythe, our wonderful PR guy, coming was, up to the booth, like, frantically saying there was he, a starting lineup change. Yeah, he yeah. jogged through our booth. There's, like, this little connecting hallway in the back of the Ludwig press box, and it's just, like, sliding doors that kind of cut off the rooms or whatever. Yeah. But I just remember Taylor, really without pausing at all, just kind of in a quick jog through all the rooms, he was like, Padilla's out. Uh, who I think Luke Brown came in the lineup that game. It was yeah. very, very late, but just jogging through, telling us. And you and I are standing there, Joe. We're doing the game for BTN. Squared up to our camera, about to go live with our intro. And you and I just look at each other, and I'm running in to help our producers change the graphics and everything for the yes. lineup. And it was just a whole whirlwind that we didn't really know what the injury was until after the game. We didn't know how serious it was, in fact, that it was a torn ACL in the end. And I want to say that was before – that was before – That was before um, – uh, what was that before? He played the Northwestern game because he scored a great goal against turn, Northwestern. Turn your, turn your screen. It was before St. John's. But you and I did St. John's. It can't have been then. It must have been before Rutgers. 
Yeah. That's got to be it. Yeah. That's got to be it. Who because, was I on? Because, Rutgers, yeah, it was Rutgers. Me. I didn't call Rutgers, it. Did, no. Yes. Yes. It yes. was Rutgers. Okay. Hear yeah, me out Rutgers because game. Kovacic scored twice against yes, Rutgers. Yes, and yes, he gave he, his mate a little he, hug. Yes. yes. And very wholesome. Why am I crying in the club right now? Yeah, that was. There's a lot of wholesome moments. That they might were. be one of our superlatives later. We'll, we'll see if wholesome I feel moment. like adding that. Um, oh, sorry. I well, was going to talk about Padilla stuff. but. Well, yeah. I was just going to. You're. That was a weird kind of situation that it was very abrupt kind yes. of end to Brian Padilla's season. And it was a kind of an end to Maryland's, not their momentum because they did win that game and everything, but it was a blow to the confidence of the team, I think. You had this guy that's coming in, new face this season, that was performing very, very well, very creative, very flashy. And I have a point about that I wanted to touch on in a second, but it, it really does kind of hurt your confidence seeing that guy go down so early yes. in the season. Well, the thing to me about Padilla as well is that he was really showing up in the games where the rest of the team was not there. He took over. Right. So in that UCLA game, which was a whole experience. September 6th. Yeah, whole experience. But for me, that was like his quote-unquote breakout. Yeah. Scored the free kick, a very well-taken free kick. Absolutely. Connected well with Eli in center mid, mm-hmm. as well as Eric up top. He looked brilliant in that UCLA game. And then Northwestern, when the rest of the Maryland team was not one step off the pace, 15 steps yeah. off the pace. He has the audacity to bang in like an outside w- yes. foot worldie from outside the box. And then also just really dictate the prayer, the play, press with confidence. He he had a knack of, of being that star player. And you've got to hope that he can come back and do the same next year. Exactly. I would argue that he would have been Maryland's player of the season had he not gotten injured. I could see it. I, I, think, that, I think that take. he would have continued to grow into that role over the course of the season once you get into Big Ten play because there was times where Maryland could not create opportunities. I feel like Brian Padilla kind of would have either helped them create opportunities or he would have been the opportunities. Because how many times do we see I am the opportunity. Exactly. (laughs) Look at me. I am the opportunity. Yeah, so Padilla – and so the point I wanted to make when I talked about Padilla being kind of classy and everything like that is you lost arguably in – Ben, Hervé, and Padilla, and I think I mentioned this to both of you probably at different times of the season, but you probably lost your three most creative players in the sense of having flair and technical ability and just skill and just yeah. kind of that. How I, different would this season possibly have been if with the 4-2-3-1 formation that they trotted out there a couple of times? Well, I yeah. guess ish. Yeah. Because it was changing a lot. Higher, yeah. yeah. Um, if the three across were Hervé, Padilla, and Ben. Yeah. Nuts. With Matsalevich different up top as a, sh- yeah. as a target man, basically. Yes. yes. Disgusting formation, yeah. that. Yeah. And that would have been fun because I and feel that like. It could be it next year. Yes. It will be <laughs> it next year. As long as everybody's healthy because yeah. the, those well, three we'll, have to come back. Yes. But. Well, don't, let's not get ahead of ourselves there because that's what we're, gonna, I think, going to close with. But, yeah, I think just that was kind of. You see the wingers in the midfielders that Maryland put out there. Malcolm Johnson, Justin Gielen was playing on the wing, like Justin Harris. A lot of those guys relied on pure athleticism right? to to create those opportunities and to kind of – that's just who they are as players. Now, all three of Padilla, Ben, Hervé, very great athletes as well, but they have that that, They're soccer that's, players. that special something. That, They're soccer players who happen to be athletic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so a lot of creativity, a lot of flair there that Maryland lost. And Nicholas Neumann, who we were calling Newman at the time, he got that eye injury and came out when we finally got back-to-back starts for a goalkeeper. Yeah. That was a whole thing at the beginning of the oh season gosh. that I feel like we forget sometimes because Neumann was the guy for, I mean, the entire second half of the season was fantastic. It yeah. was It's almost difficult to 
kind of fathom that he wasn't the starter from the beginning because of how how solid he was. Yeah. But that was the case at the beginning of the year. He got that nasty eye injury. Eli missed uh, a game due to injury. He was just banged up, wasn't he? Yeah, he. Yeah. I mean, I I was walking off the field with him one time, and then like he like told me like something was bothering him. And, like the next day at practice, I saw him. I was like, oh, how's this? He's like, oh, it's fine, but I got something else now. And so it just seemed like, because he's that guy, he's in the middle of everything. Yeah. He was, he kind of picked up some knocks here and there, but he only missed the one game, I believe, and then had a few things where he wasn't able to go the full 90, that type of deal. Marcus Antoine was out towards the end of the season. Who else? I'm trying to think of other, because there was, there was, Kovacic was hurt for something for at least one game. Justin Gillen was concussed one game. Yeah. And so yeah. really what I'm what I'm trying to say is the list goes on and on and on of these Maryland injuries. There were three in particular that were a lot more detrimental to yeah. the overall success of the team. But the list goes on and on, and that goes back to what I was saying about not having the legs, just relying on the depth a lot more. Any closing thoughts on the injuries? I mean, basically, uh, though, the, the lads that did have to come in, your Malcolm Johnstons, your Justin Harris's, even in a sense Kovacic, those guys should really should only be expecting to play about, what, 30 minutes a game at most mm-hmm. this season. And sure, you know, like you talk about if you have the quality, you yeah. get in the lineup. Duh. That's that's just sport in general. Yes. But, I mean, that's, that's a massive demand on yeah. a freshman. And, you know, credit to them. They came in. They did a job. But still, really, really difficult. Yeah. And so that's kind of a good segue into... Our next overall theme we wanted to discuss, which was the youth of the team. You are welcome. And thank you. <laughs> thank you for getting and me there. I, so. think, I think that looking back on this season a couple of years from now, we almost might look at those injuries as a blessing in disguise when it's all said and done. Yeah. Because it allowed, like you mentioned, Johnston and Harris and Kovacic. Well, Richardson was playing a lot anyway. Richardson, um, yeah. Based on certain situations, Rindolph got in. Like, yeah. A, a lot of the youth got very valuable playing time in big games against good teams. Mm-hmm. And that is only going to help them. It kind of ties into what Sasha does every year by scheduling the top some of the top teams in the country right off right out of the gates, yeah. knowing that they might not get the result, but that experience is going to help them in the long run. Well, this season is basically just an elongated version of those first couple games that he usually schedules yeah. for those freshmen because now – Next year, the year after that, and if they don't go pro before then, the year after that, um, they will be very seasoned. They have this in their back pocket. They're already talented. We know that. We saw that. Uh, You pair the talent with that experience, and now you've got something brewing again. Yeah. Yep. Tom, anything? I mean, that's more or less it. I don't want to go too much further into it because we're going to give our future predictions. Of course, yeah. It'll tie more into that, but the gist of it is those kind of tie together. At the end of the day, the injuries kind of paved the way for this youth movement that is going to lead this team in the next two, three years. Right. Ultimately, all of those lads who have come in are good enough to be part of this program at a high level. It's a question of when you can make that adjustment. And the earlier you can make it, the better it's going to pay off long term. Yeah. So Malcolm Johnson, four goals, four assists on the year. He was very, very – The first goal. Yeah, the first goal of the year, which I, I don't know if that was supposed to be poetic in a little bit of a way. Kind of showing us what's going to come. but Yeah, but also how Maryland went over 400 minutes to start the season without a goal last year. And now with so much turnover, so many seniors leaving that team, you score in the first game of this season with a freshman. I thought that was just kind of an interesting like way of 
I don't know, transitioning from season to season that, that it's a freshman kind of breaking the deadlock for you early on yeah, that year. So the v- Favorite COVID- interview of the year, by the way. That, that one's going to be one of the surprises. Okay, not actually, <laughs> but like. Um, <laughs> and so you're talking about Ma- Malcolm Johnson? Yeah, no, just very uncomfortable after that. Well, game. He's, a fr- he's a freshman. I know, but it was kind of funny. It was his first game, big moment. I mean, yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah. But I, he got better as the season went on. Oh, yeah, on, so. absolutely. Um, David Kovacic, three goals, one assist on the air. I'm just kind of going down the list of some and of the guys. An absolute wrecking ball in the middle of the midfield. Yeah. What, a, what a lad as well. Yeah. yeah. And really, toss Nick Richardson in there too because he missed essentially all of last season due to injury. So he's a redshirt freshman, hadn't really taken the field. Big shoes to fill in kind of that Andrew Samuels role. And, just and he the filled it. He, I, as the season went on, I started saying to myself, of all the shoes that needed to be filled – I think Neumann filling Danes did pretty well. Yeah, uh, wasn't right. as good as I ex- uh, sorry was better than I expected him to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Richardson in the Samuel, I mean, the thing that I always said last year was that the less we had to say his name, the better game you knew yeah, he had. Exactly. And there were some games this year where I don't even I, well, with you and I broadcasting, yeah. I don't even remember saying Richardson's name. Yeah, and he played the ninety. <laughs> yeah, which is a good thing. Yeah. So yeah, he was he was like the one who just like. Never made it into my gamers. Yeah, the dude. Like, if I didn't have to mention, then yeah. And and, and and you're you guys are very right in saying that. And I almost feel like we do him a disservice sometimes because he is so crucial to that midfield. You talk about Eli, and he's the guy that can cover every blade of grass going both ways. But the reason that Eli is able to do that because is because he has Richardson staying at home, and he's so In versatile. In the same way that Amar Sanich was able to do that because of Samuel exactly. last year. So yeah, exactly. It's a it's a vital role on this team yes. and now we'll see how things go with no discredit to Richardson he doesn't strike me as a guy who's gonna leave early to go pro so they probably have three more years of him yeah which is great for the program yeah. now I hope he he gets better and goes pro good for him that'd be awesome but in all likelihood it's one spot on this team that you know 100 million percent you do yeah. not have to worry about for the next three years barring injury True. yeah and I mean how many different positions did he he played Holding midfield, he played right back, he played center back, he played left back. Yeah. He played anywhere in that mm-hmm. back line or that back kind of contingency. And outside of one mishap, and if I'm going to blame him incorrectly for this, correct me. But I it's think, Northwestern. Yeah, he made yeah. the bas- the bad back pass yeah. in yeah. the Northwestern <laughs> game that led to the, the final nail in the coffin in that yeah. game. I didn't, look, Maryland probably – there's no guarantee they would have come back to tie that game. Anyway. They would, no. but they, if they, they did, would it would have been a massive injustice, yes. to yeah. be yes. honest. Um, so, but outside of that, I don't think he messed anything up this season. He was he was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, destroyer in the midfield. Brett St. Martin was a sophomore. He played some last season, but this year, I mean, full starting role, filling the shoes of Donovan Pines. Still performed. the best slide tackler I've seen in my entire life, pro high school or college. It's <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. I, is, I'm going to agree with you. It's he, unbelievable. He is an interesting defender to watch, isn't he? Because you have, like, the, the, the contrast between him and Bergman is just incredible because Bergman is just like this composed, like, ball player. He just glides can't around react, the back. Yeah. Like, very cerebral, can't win cannot win a header the uh, okay yes he's improved but still yeah. can't really whereas like Bretton Martin is just this like like this kind of bruising fantastic I mean is that not athletic. how it was with Donovan Pines though it was it was yeah, a weird you, kind of buddy cop yeah. thing with yeah, Johannes but you and got Donnie. the sense that but Donnie can could pick a pass more effectively yeah, yeah and that's the only thing and uh, I mean Brett Donnie hit, was an all-around center back yeah and Brett has admitted that's what he needs to work on in his game going forward and I he has progressed on that throughout the season I mean there was a few times early in the year where I remember he 
would get the ball in the back and some team was high pressing. I especially remember in that North Carolina game, the exhibition, which, I mean, counts but doesn't really count. Yeah. But he was just a little bit slow, and that was something that Sasha said he wanted him to work on, and that's yeah. what Brett said he wanted to work yeah. on. And over the course of the year, he did. I mean, there was very few times where as kind of a – I don't know. I, I wasn't too worried about Brett getting the ball in the back towards yeah. the second half of the season for him to be able to play out. So I think right. he did he did pretty well. Uh, Marcus Anton was another freshman in there a little bit towards the beginning of the season. Didn't exactly cover himself in, in glory in the start against Northwestern. Um, and then featured kind of when they were in that back three for like a week and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I know he was dealing with an injury the latter part of the, the season, which is why like when Brett St. Martin went down and the – was that the Iona game? I guess it was. Yeah, it was yeah. the Iona game because yeah. he wore the mask in the Wake Forest game. And that's why Chris Rindolph came, came in. in or Nick Richardson came in and Marcus Antoine was not in there because of the injury. Jacob Shakroon, also over the last couple games of the season, out solid. Of, out of absolutely nowhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, what an unusual footballer, though. Because not – Different playing styles right, with the exactly. guys he was not, playing not really, alongside. Not really, not really physical. Not necessarily. Not – not really like bruising in a way at all, but just like those little touches and clicks in midfield. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't say he's exactly lacking in any one area. I think no. he's just kind of well, like rounded. But for kind of that holding midfield spot, you normally expect the guys that are going and winning the tackles. The I don't know why, but Jermaine Jones and Kyle Beckerman always come yeah. to mind for me. I know okay, that means that, almost nothing. What I think, okay, that bud. What I think of Shakroon. Now the analogy I'm going to make in other sports is kind of used as a as a derogatory adjective, mm-hmm. but I think it's, like, appropriate here. He's vanilla ice cream. Yeah. Always good. It's always consistent. That's what he, you kind of want from a There's nothing special about him. Yeah. There's nothing bad about him. Yeah. He just gets the job done. Yeah. And, and, and he's good. Like, that, that's in, in other cases, that's something that's used. Oh, this guy's kind of vanilla. There's nothing special about him. Well, you don't need to have anything special about him, kind of like we're talking about with Richardson. Yeah. You just got to get the job done. Yeah. And he did. Yeah. So And so we'll see. I mean, granted, very small sample size from what we saw yeah. from Shakrun this year. So he could go on to get significant playing time next year, and we kind of see him kind of – I would say and that could be part of the reason why we don't see him as anything more than just vanilla right now is because we didn't see him much. Yeah, right. exactly. So given the chance to blossom, maybe there is a part of his game that we didn't realize he had, yeah. and then we see him more and he develops. Yeah. And so uh, another freshman, just as we try to round out this whole youth thing, I didn't expect to go through each one, and I'm, I don't plan on it necessarily, but – uh, Justin Harris played in 20 games this season, didn't Very have solid. a goal or didn't have an assist. So I think they were probably expecting to get a little bit more out of him yeah. than they did this year. Early on, I think he looked a little bit lost out there, but he started to find his way as the season yeah. went on. I think, I think so. I'd, I'd agree with that. He was he was one of those guys who maybe knew that the, the collegiate game was going to be a bit of a step up, but he always put in a shift. Yes. Yeah. He always put in a shift, and that's going to serve him well going forward. Yeah, and... Isaac Ngobu, kind of the last one on that list. And yeah, he didn't receive enough. Yeah, we didn't get to see him too much. He is traditionally a left back. He was, came in at left wing a few times. Blazing, he was blazing good speed. against Iona. Yeah, he, he was, was very good really against good Iona. Really good against Iona. Um, but we didn't get to see him too much. Only played The most I actually saw him was minutes. in that North Carolina preseason match, and he looked solid. Yeah. So it, another one that's just a complete unknown that we'll have to see going One yeah. for the future. And then Nicholas Neumann, I think we've talked about him enough Beast. that we don't have to go into yeah. too much. He deserves all the praise that he got this season, was fantastic in the back. And, I mean, I'm from an outsider, if I can even say that. I'm excited to see him continue to, to develop. No, I know, <laughs> I, but you know what I mean. It's just lie. continuing the long lineage of Maryland goalkeepers. Yeah, it's a, it's a long list. It's a lot to live up to. And so we spent a lot of time on those two, but – 
one thing we can touch on quickly before we continue. And again, I don't want to harp on this too much, but one of the themes we talked about was playing to the level of the opponent. Yeah. So, Joe, if that you want was, to start us that off, that was something we saw all season. They yeah. came out and laid an egg against Northwestern. They blew the doors off Indiana. Yeah, uh, they couldn't. Re- the only <laughs> the only games where they really didn't play to the level of the opponent were the Georgetown and Virginia games, in my opinion, mm-hmm. because they simply can't match that level. And yeah. we see that now uh, w- with how they're doing. But you know, the schedule pulled up here. I mean. Villanova wasn't a great opponent, played down to them, but won. Uh, St. John's at the time was an undefeated ninth-ranked team, played up to them, they won. Wisconsin, that game should have been a W by all means, even sure. when they went down a man early. Yeah. Uh, it, it just all season long, up and down in, in a lot of these games, playing to the level of the opponents. And it was kind of frustrating at times, but at times it was kind of nice because – for the you know the the games like Michigan State, well, I guess the weather had a factor in that game. How should have been <laughs> for, played <a> <laughs> for the, for the games like um, for every Northwestern, there was an Indiana, and yep. right. it, it kind of evened out in the end. Right. You'd like to equilibrium. See, yes, you'd like to see more well, consistency, hey. <laughs> and what se- what separates the teams that are in the Final Four now from a Maryland is that those teams bring it every time and yep. don't play to the level of the opponent. They make their opponents play at their level. Yeah. Um, and that's what Maryland did in the tournament last year, I think, because they made opponents play their style yeah, Kentucky at their level. Yeah. But uh, I think tying them all together, a healthy team with the current youth now more experienced, that changes. Yeah. Uh, they, they will consistently be playing to their own, as they always say, play Maryland soccer, which I still don't know what that means. But no. um, they Kathy will play. Reese says the same thing about Maryland yeah, lacrosse. But, but, yes, but they that. will be playing Maryland soccer and making other teams play to their level. Yeah rather than playing down or up to some other team's yeah. level when they're healthy and when this current youth movement is now more experienced. I'm yeah. confident in that. Right, but that's it. It's an identity. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. It's really hard to say you're playing to a level of a team when you don't really know what your level is yet. Yeah, Because if fair. you've got so many people in and out of that lineup, and yeah, you say it's about culture, you say it's about a certain level of talent, well, you don't know that if these guys don't know whether they're going to play 20 minutes or 90 minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do all you want in training get onto those guys, yell at them, swear at them, put them through the most rigorous drills you can. Until you get out on the pitch, there is only so much you can do. And you saw that towards the end of the season. The two big ones for me in terms of that, Penn State, Michigan. Penn State, go on the road. Not an easy place to play. No. But Maryland, theoretically, better team. Mm -hmm. Didn't have that that identity for the whole game. Sure, you had to play a back three at one point and brought Chris Rindov in, but there you go, new guy in the team, defensive scheme falls apart a bit, becomes a lot more difficult. Michigan, off slightly shorter rest, yeah. just kind of collapsed against a really good yeah, attacking and it was team. The, it was the second half, first half was de- decently right, strong exactly, for Exactly, so you've got to be able to have this, this identity throughout the team in which, okay, one guy goes down, another guy steps in. Mm-hmm. But at some point you just have so many freaking guys yeah, going you. down that it's difficult to put someone else in. <laughs> yeah. Nice and, save. And <laughs> you're welcome. So I, I think like Neumann back here. Yeah. Hey, oh. <laughs> so my closing thought on that is just kind of a bit off what you said. I think going back to what we talked about with the injuries had Maryland not lost Paul Bin, William James Survey, Brian Padilla, I think that identity would have been much more cohesive yeah. throughout the year because I think you're having more consistent lineup week in, week out. You have guys that have been here, done that kind of thing. And I think that would have kind of really – suited them a lot better in those situations where they didn't quite pull it out. So, Absolutely. Um, 
that's kind of our season theme recap, our Spark Notes tab of uh, the, it of the Maryland. It was a long Spark Notes. It was very long Spark Notes. <laughs> Sorry yeah. if you're studying for a test. Yeah. Um, I guess by the time people listen to this, they'll be done. That is true. With tests. So, um, <laughs> so now we're going to get to our season superlatives oh. a little bit, and we're going to do these quickly, but so this is the part of the podcast where I expose Tom quickly <laughs> because <laughs> we've it. already been talking for a very long time. So right, I'm going to head out. In episode, in episode two, Tom and I, it was the first podcast Tom ever did, and we did kind of preseason two early predictions, our kind of player superlatives for um, – oh, we, we were we were down we were, as well. I do have them written down. I, read, <laughs> I, had, the, I had the 8 a.m. exam today, so I had some time in between when we were recording this before. So the first one that we did was top score, prediction for top score. I'll, let me guess what we said. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, sure. We'll, we'll yeah, do, we on, have to do this do quickly. Right, I, I will guess that he said Hervé. No. Okay. Because Hervé had already gotten hurt at that point. This is after USF and Virginia. Oh, oh so those had already that's happened. What the second episode yeah. was. Okay. So Tom said it'd be Brian Padilla. That's not a bad guess. It's not. not. Guess. It's not. And that's I'm, that. This is not where I'm exposing. I'm not trying to like say you're. You, know, you don't I know what wear, you're talking I about. I was hoping that's just, what you were doing. Though. It's just <laughs> funny that he was so wrong. So he said Brian Padilla, who finished the season with two goals. That's Granted, fine. season ended by an ACL injury. Yes. There's an asterisk next to this one. That's okay. However, I did say Eric Matzlevich, who was this team's top school oh, scorer with six goals this season. So this is more or this is less me saying how wrong Tom was and how right yeah, I was okay. compared to Tom. Okay. All right, next um, one. Most influential freshman. I would say we were both pretty I spot on with this. I did say Neumann, okay. and that's when they were still alternating, so I'm a little bit... Because that was the one thing that I held on to from after I watched the UNC scrimmage. Yeah. I said that I know that he's got 27 years of experience, but yeah. I don't know what Sasha was thinking not putting Neumann in net immediately. Yeah. And it, co- it ended up costing them the Northwestern game. Yeah, and so he was still so. trying to figure that out through the beginning of the season. So I said it was Neumann. You said Malcolm Johnson. Which is that's not a bad fair. shout. It's actually. not I, good we'll job, pass draw. Exactly. Good job, exactly. pass You so didn't, he didn't say like uh, nah, one of the guys that didn't feature this year. So, um, so and now this is the one I'm real proud of. Okay. So we we <laughs> did we did defender who would score the most goals this season. Now Tom said Matt DeRosa scored in the College Cup semifinal. I would have said I would have said Brett St. Martin. Also fair. He scored the yeah. game winner against St. John's. I went with a pretty hot take at the time. I said Johannes Bergman, yeah. who had not scored in a oh, Maryland shirt. Oh, I remember this. You and were he had two. cracking he up did. as you said it. Come I, on. I did, but I was right. And so, two, I did not predict the whole parents yeah, thing, but obviously. That was, that, that was a no-lose situation for you. Yeah. you no, I know. You could have gone back and said, oh, I was just joking. Or you could have gone back and been right. Yeah, and that's true. By a stroke that's of true. luck, yeah, you were right. Count. So that what I'm hearing count. is that I made a very smart play <laughs> in episode two, is all, is all I'm mean, getting from this. Okay, and then the the last one we did was who will score the best goal for Maryland this season? Did I say Luke Brown? Yes, you did. I probably, and I'm not being hindsight, if I were on this episode, I probably would have said Padilla just because I knew that he was going to be like a really classy player yeah. and it proved to be right. He can yeah. hit one. Padilla? Oh, yeah. No, and okay. we'll, we'll okay. get to that in a second. But There were a couple of them. Uh, so you said, you said Luke Brown who took until the first round of the NCAA tournament <laughs> Wait to, to score. Way to drag him. <laughs> no, 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 no. And uh, that's that's not what I mean. But, like, his one goal this season was a penalty kick, albeit a well-taken penalty kick. But it was in the first round of the NCAA tournament. That's now, the most passive-aggressive <laughs> Now, I, I said to you be— You scored, but it took you until almost the end to score. <laughs> and you did it in the easy way. No. It's basically what Brendan is saying. It, no, Luke knows I have an immense amount of respect for him and that I was yeah, it's not ha- almost happier Luke, than though, anyone— I'm dis- I'm trying to disrespect <laughs> you right now, Tom. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Okay, good. So at least we're clear on that. Yeah. Um, and so I said Davi Kovacic, and who 
didn't at the beginning of the season he was teeing up shots from the top of the box in the USF game, which is kind of why I chose that at the time. Now he did score three goals. None of them were. I mean, he had the one volley, but that was not the best goal of the season no. by by any stretch of the imagination. So yeah, so that's what we said in week two. Oh, how far we have come. Um, and so now we will quickly, because we've been talking for entirely too long, okay. uh, our quick end of season superlatives. So we're kind of going to go rapid fire with like one sentence of explanation. We will go Joe, Tom, me, just kind of down the okay. line. Team MVP. Nicholas Neumann. Okay. Nick Richardson. Okay. I hadn't thought about this yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say Eli Cronelli. Okay. That's, uh, that's such a boring take. Un- it's not a wrong take. It's not a wrong take, but and I'm also trying to do it to be different. Like it's no fun yeah, if we all agree. Yeah. Fine. Unsung hero, Joe. Nick Richardson. Okay. Benderosa. I was going to say Nick Richardson, so I'll agree on that one just because I can't. He was. You know, we literally never, yeah. as far as unsung hero, we literally never say his name yeah. in a broadcast. That he, which is ridiculous. He's the reason I made this superlative. I'll have yes. you know. So I wasn't not going to say him. Okay. Um, most influential newcomer. I don't want to say the same guy again, but Nicholas Neumann. Malcolm Johnson. I was going to say no, Amon. You and I yeah. agree too much yes, on things. Yes. <laughs> um, so most improved player, and this is – so what I'm doing is from beginning of season to end of season. Okay. It's not exactly over a career. So you can have a freshman okay. that struggled in the beginning, finished strong. Well, I'm going to take it a different way anyway. Sure, please. And say career and Brett St. Martin. That's that's fair. David Kovacic. I would say Eric Matsalevich. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Biggest there, were, there were times last year where I didn't think that he could hit the net sometimes when he took a and wild USF shot. showed that. Yes. So, and, But then he came around. My lord, he missed a fair few that. Exactly. I gave yeah. him some stick about that after we were fine. So biggest surprise, either with a player, with a team, positive or negative? This is going to spoil what's coming up a little bit. Sure. But We've my, yeah, my biggest surprise is that. Are people still listening to the podcast yeah, that's at this true. point? At this point, uh, <laughs> my biggest surprise is that they – pretty much achieved the same prediction that I set out for them before the season. Yeah. Even after all the injuries. Even That's when true. the injuries hit when the injuries hit I'll say what my prediction was until we get to that point. Yeah. But I after the injuries, I didn't think there was any way they would reach what my expectations were for them this season, but they still did. Go ahead exactly. and do, go ahead and do your expect expectations okay, now because that was That's supposed fine. to be done when we did our okay, preseason so, my, program, my, so just quickly. Uh, yeah, going into the season, uh I my prediction for this team was Pretty much the same regular season as last year, maybe a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the tournament, it was just going to come down to if they were playing good at the right time and who they played yeah. because I did not think that they were nearly as good as they were last year. And even last year, like in fairness, they weren't that good. They just got hot at the end. So basically my prediction for this season was similar regular season to last year, probably a second or third round loss because they will not be in that upper tier of teams this yeah. year. And that's what happened. They had pretty much the same regular season as last year, maybe slightly better. Mm-hmm. They ran into a team that was significantly a cut above them in Wake Forest, and they were out in the second round. So as far as how that played out, almost to a T. But after the injuries happened, I was afraid that the team might just kind of sputter and, and yeah. maybe the fears we had last year of them missing the tournament, mm-hmm. but they might miss it this year. Yeah. So I, my biggest surprise this season was they met my season predictions even after all the injuries. So right? a positive surprise. Positive that surprise. Sense, yes. okay. positive. Well, my surprise is going to have to be negative. And, sure. I mean, you uh, are the Brit here. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and I was going to be the Luke Brown didn't have more of an impact. Yeah, yeah I, no, and I, I agree. I know, I mean, a brief explanation for this sure. one. I know that necessarily the same quality doesn't transfer from program to program, right? But you just would have thought guy comes in 
with a bit of a record, with a clear knack of playing and with a, a position where you have a need mm-hmm. that you would have chipped in a few more goals or assists. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And this is a this is one that warrants a little bit of an explanation. It's not exactly we can just kind of rifle it off. Um, I'll probably say biggest surprise was, there's a little bit of a caveat to this one, was Sash not committing to Nicholas Neumann sooner in the season, both yeah. in terms of actually choosing him to start and when every time I asked him if he decided on a starter, even when yeah. Neumann had started like four, five, six games in a row, he was like, yeah. no, nah, I still haven't decided. So that was kind of the biggest right. surprise for me is yeah. you have a guy that's performing very, very well in, in the net, giving your team a lot of confidence, and he wasn't, quote, your starter at the time. But did name him, did all work yes. out in the end. So I guess positive surprise. Now, Goal of the season. I feel like we're all probably going to have similar answers. I feel like you can Dean only pick Northwestern. Is yes. My answer. Okay. The outside curler. Ooh. Out of nowhere. Yeah. Okay. That so that was probably going to be mine. I have a close second, and it's not the one you're thinking of. So go ahead. So yes, that was a brilliant. That was. Yes. I think his. That was his last goal before the injury. Yes. And that was absolutely brilliant. One of the best goals I've ever had the pleasure of calling. I've I've got one written down, but I'm actually going to change it and sure. say Matsalevich Akron. Ah, uh, yeah, the, so the one Nick, oh, the, off the bar and down, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. near post, absolutely okay. just bleeding, that's fair. smacks it. So, the, do you want to say the one you had written down? Because the I think that's also I worth mentioning. The one I had written down was the Padilla free kick against UCLA. Yeah, mostly because a Maryland was down. Yeah, and that that goal was really needed. Yeah, and also it's just there's something really satisfying about a color and you know just yeah. lovely little. Yeah, so bending effort. So I agree with all the ones that you have said, and to kind of be the just to say something different, Benderosa's goal versus Villanova. Luck. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) We can have different takes on this, but I I think it was it was a fantastic goal. It was the one from the edge of the box on the right side came up, just absolutely. He just closed his eyes, put his foot through it, and a good thing happened. (laughs) He still had the ability to put it on frame with that amount of power. Isn't that how all the best goals go? I guess so. That's my that's my point. So, okay, so we did goal of the season. Um, and so the last two are kind of because we've been able to be around the team a little bit more this Alats, season. I think, I think we should just do this one on three because I think all of our answers are going to be the same. Okay. Do we? I think so. I don't think we do. I want to do this individually, actually. No, I'm glaring. What do you, what do you let's, mean? Let's, let's just try this. Ready? Class one, clown, right? Class clown yeah, so and th- best so the, interview. The, no, no, no. No, I wasn't going to do one and the same. Uh, They're two different I ones think for me. They're the same for me. Okay, okay. so we'll we'll okay. do this, the class clown because we got to hang around with all some right, of the guys right. at training okay. and see which ones are the funniest. Right, class clown on three. I hadn't said it before Joe just did. Class, so. class clown on three. Ready? Okay. One, two, three. The Eric. So I said we Eric. Agree. You two agree. <laughs> we agree. That's why I didn't want to do it because I knew it was going to be different. <laughs> all so right. you two say David Kovacic. who Dvid was the uh, funniest guy obviously. I saw. Yeah, and it, so it took a while for that to shine a little bit because we didn't really have the chance to talk to him until later in the season right. just because of the whole language thing and all yes, that. But, sure. but once he embraced his broken English, it was hilarious. Yes. Oh, I God. It. It, it was fantastic. And so I say Eric Matsalevich. He was the second one we had on the podcast, and just that guy – <laughs> I mean, I just watch him I in training. The things he does is hysterical. And the one one little story is he's down on the ground stretching. Eli had either finished up training already or was maybe sitting out that practice or something just when he was getting all those knocks. So Eric's down on the ground, and everybody's, like, dead quiet, you know, just counting through the stretches or whatever. Eli comes over and is just dribbling a ball and kind of, like, flicks it, and it just hits off, like, the back of Eric. And Eric – and you immediately know he's already joking, and he just – 
gets a complete straight face and yells at the top of his lungs, is this a joke to you? It's right to Eli while everybody else is dead quiet. And there was some other language involved too, but it was just hysterical that, and then Eli just starts cracking up. Everybody else does too, but it was just one of those like harmless little things he flicked him in the back. He's like, is this, is this a joke to you? That's and there were just so many other stories. There was the one Matt DeRosa said about they were over at Eli's apartment one time and for no reason whatsoever, Eric Matzlovich stood up on the counter, took a bite out of a stick of butter. And just, <laughs> had you not heard that? Had we not talked about that? So that happened. Um, so there we go. Class clown. Now, so best interview. I was going to say our favorite one that we've had on the podcast. That might be a little different for you, but I was going to say just because we have had now, this is 14 episodes. We've had, what, 12 of the guys on the podcast or something yeah. like that? Yeah. My math might be off, but you guys know what I mean. I Over was, 10. I uh, For me, uh, the Eric one was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I really liked the Neumann one I just because tell. he kind of like came out of his shell. and like I wasn't expecting his English to be that good. And yeah. Whatnot, so yeah. Uh, between those two, I'd probably say the Eric one because it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah I've got to say, I, I did enjoy the Eric one. That was good fun to listen to, but I'll, <laughs> I will go with Luke Brown, actually. That was another good the, one. Because the whole... No, no, it was fun, fun to hear another Englishman talk, and he also mentioned Stormzy, <laughs> and that went like right over half of, well, 99.9% of the listener's head. Yeah. But I was like, okay. Yeah. Bit of, bit of UK rap reference. Yeah. There, and that was fun. I mean, I'm going to be honest, and uh, grant a little different because I was the one that conducted the interviews, but all these guys have great personalities. It's very hard for me to narrow it down to just a few, but I, Joe, I agree with you having Eric on. Cause that was the first player interview I had yeah. done like in that setting and for it to go that well and just him be that, you know, interesting and everything. Um, both of the DeRosas are great, but yeah, Nicholas Neumann was fantastic. And that was, like you said, him kind of coming out of a shell. It was the first media he had ever done. He hadn't spoken to any reporters or anybody yet, never really been interviewed in English before. And he was fantastic. Not only just him speaking English, but the stories he told. And yeah. It wasn't just talking to me as a chore. He genuinely enjoyed it and had a lot yeah, of good things to you say. you got that sense. That will do it for part two. Our third and final installment comes out tomorrow, where we discuss pro terps, the outlook for the 2020 Maryland soccer season, and our closing thoughts on what has been a very fun year of coverage. Thanks for listening, and catch part three tomorrow, right here on WMUC Sports Radio, your terps, your station. Thanks for listening to the Ludwig Lowdown. We hope to have you right back here for the next edition with your hosts, Brendan Hartlove and Joe Malfa. Thanks, everybody, and go Terps!